Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions and provides unbiased answers. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol. I just really like it as a long term play. I uh, appreciate the show, appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November 4th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And yep, Thanksgiving is three weeks from today. And all you can really say is the holiday season is here. Halloween is uh, well behind us now at this point, and festivities are starting to ramp up. Uh, I know I've seen starting to see Christmas decorations in certain stores. Uh, and but no matter what time of year it is, it's important to make sound money decisions, sound investment decisions, sound sound savings decisions each and every day. And that's what I'm going to hear today to help you with. That's why we do this show, is to help guide you to, to your financial freedom and take that next step each and every day. That's why we do the show every day, because there's always something to learn, uh, new news that comes out on markets, economies, companies, and we're trying to keep you up to speed so you can make sound money decisions. Now, on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. I'm not Kramer. I'm not here to bang some bells and whistles. I'm here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using the perspective of my 20 plus years of investment experience. And no matter what I'm talking about, a strategy, a particular stock, a sector, an asset class, whatever it is, I am here to present it all without bias. I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time every weekday. If you're not listening live, no big deal. You can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Jay from New York. I just had a question about ticker symbol S as in Sam, Y as in yellow, N as in Nancy. I have bought the stock. However, I received an email stating that there's going to be a vote on the increase in shares. What exactly happens if there's an increase in authorized shares? And what happens if they postpone it, which is exactly what happened in, in our case? So only about 33% of people voted and they had to postpone the decision. Thanks. Okay, uh, you're looking at synthetic bio, biologics, and I, I'm not sure about the news that you're speaking about, but what I think they're saying is they're issuing more shares, and guess what? That's what this company does. It is a money-losing biotech company. That is why, if you look at a longer-term chart, its split-adjusted price uh, high was $151 back in 2015, and now it's at $0.43. Cents. <laughs> why? Because... Uh, since then, the shares have exploded from a million shares outstanding in 2013 to 66 million shares today. 
and they've been losing money ever uh, the whole time, just burning capital. And that's not unlike a small biotech company. This is what most of them do. 99 out of 100 just burn capital, your capital, the shareholders, and continue to issue shares to do their research. And maybe one out of uh, 1,000 actually hit a drug that is big and you'll suddenly – it'll go up a lot. Maybe not enough if you held it for a long period of time. Um, but that's what they're really talking about it sounds like, which is issuing more and more shares. Now, they suspended it. What is that reason? Maybe they couldn't place it. Maybe they burned through so much shareholder capital over the years that nobody wants to buy it. I don't know. I don't know the exact reason. Bottom line is you shouldn't be dealing with this type of company. I mean, it's a lotto ticket. Uh, if it's – you probably have a – you know – $20 in it, $50. I don't know how much you have invested in this. Hopefully not a lot. Um, and, and it's more of, once again, a lotto ticket that if they do th- get through clinical trials, they have some breakthrough in one of their drugs, it could go up a ton, but very low chance that this will be the one. So I would not put any stock in it, or <laughs> I guess pun intended there. Don't really bet on this as being a part of your portfolio. It's a small lotto ticket at very best. Let's go to Richard in the Bay Area looking at IEA, which is infrastructure, and let's see, it's an alternative asset company, right? Can you uh, tell me a bit more about it and why you're interested in it? Yeah. Uh, hi, Justin. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in it as a play on uh, uh, clean energy um, and infrastructure as well uh, for green energy, and they're based in the United States. So all of these are positives. What I'm what I'm worried about is their margins. Um, their sales seem to be a lot compared to their uh, market cap, but their margins are not that great. So I was wondering what you think about it. Yeah, definitely a very low margin business, and and that's definitely the worry. Uh, with all the kind of clean energy projects, they need subsidies to kind of become be economical. And I don't think those subsidies are going away, but you have to understand that it's a competitive space. And uh, once again, these projects are not very economical on their own. So that's really the issue. Now, the good thing is their free cash flow remains relatively strong, uh, trailing 12 months, $92 million on a $383 million market cap. Um, that's not bad, uh, to be honest with you. That's a, that's a pretty good... Uh, yield there. Um, I, I like the chart overall from the long-term perspective. Now, it has pulled back from the high in, in January. Uh, and it remains, let me see, yeah, it's still it's still in pretty good uh, position technically on, on the weekly chart. Kind of neutral, but still uh, in an uptrend. And I don't hate this. No, not a ton of debt. Um, yeah, their margins are tight, but they, uh, they're still producing free cash flow. Operating cash flow is on the rise. Um, so, you know, we have some, a similar type of company within our portfolios for clients. Uh, not this one. This isn't our favorite. I'll say that, but, uh, it, it is making a lot of progress was losing money from 2018 to 2020. And this year is supposed to make 49 cents, a dollar five next year on $11 and 52 cent stock. So, uh, it looks pretty good to me. I'd give this one a thumbs up overall. Thanks Thank for the you. call. Well, I hope you're telling your friends and family about our Invest Talk podcast. And we thank you for your loyalty. And you've got a portfolio to maintain and protect. And that's why I'm here. 
right now, ready to answer your Invest Talk questions at 888 99Chart. The time is getting closer. The free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Investing in an Inflationary World. Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. It's free, but you have to register in advance. Go to investtalk.com, click on the register button. Now, Steve and Justin are taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. The Fed holds rates near zero, yet some borrowing costs are already on the rise. So let's dig in to this story and see where we're at with interest rates across the economy. Remember, the Fed only controls the Fed funds rates uh, and influences the markets where they do QE, like uh, the treasury market, mortgage-backed security market, etc. Now, even though Interest rates overall uh, on the Fed funds rate are near zero, and the Fed is starting to taper uh, its bond purchases, and that is the first step towards interest rate hikes. And if you look across the borrowing landscape, rates are already rising for some long-term borrowing costs. Not all, but some. So let's look in the, at this in more detail. Now, long-term fixed mortgage rates are edging higher, and that's not uncommon because you've seen the 10-year treasury rate inch higher. Let's see where we're at now in the 10-year. It was down a bit today, five basis points. But if you look overall, it's still up, uh, what do we start the year at? Right around a little less than 1% on the 10-year. Now we're at 1.52. The average 30-year fixed home Mortgage rate has also risen to three and a quarter percent, according to bank rate. Now, the 52-week low on the 30-year mortgage was 2.75. So you're talking about a half a basis point increase, which is the half a uh, uh, half a basis point you've seen in increase in the 10-year Treasury rate. So you see that correlation there. Now, rates are still relatively low, and if you're if you have really good credit score, you can still get APRs under 3%. Remember, the three and a quarter is average. If you have very, very good credit, you can get sub uh, 3%. For 30-year fixed, 2.85 sometimes. And if you have 15-year fixed, 2.31%. Now, as the Fed, or when the Fed raises rates, let me rephrase that. If the Fed raises rates, if they get there, then you'll start to see the rates on prime uh, rates go up, home equity lines of credit go up because those are pegged to the prime rate. Now, car loans, those are up a bit, 3.87% for a five-year car loan, four-year, about 45 Credit card rates have actually inched down over the last 52 weeks to 16.3%, uh, but the amount banks are paying savers still remains very low. 0.06% on average for a savings rate. And this is where the, the government wants it to be. They want savers to be pushed into taking risk. They've said that. That's why they keep rates uh, near zero. And while rates are going up a bit, the Fed's not going to allow them to really go up too much. Financial repression is here and 
strong. The only difference is now we have the fiscal side being married with the financial repression of the monetary policy. And so there's a lot of talk about when the Fed will raise rates. Right now, the rates market or the the betting market has it as September of next year of when they're going to actually raise rates. We're seeing that by the latter part of the tapering, not, I don't think anytime soon, soon. Remember, this is a $15 billion a month they're going to taper. That means it's going to take eight months to go from $120 billion a month currently down to zero. And that brings you to basically uh, through the second, half, second quarter of next year. So around that time, around the back half of tapering, I think that's when you're going to get into bigger problems uh, with maybe financial markets, the economy, et cetera. Nothing major, but uh, certainly a liquidity perspective that is different than you're seeing today. And so I wouldn't be too hung up on whether rates are going to rise dramatically. I think they're going to rise, but uh, probably not a, at a dramatic clip because feds don't, Fed doesn't want that. They don't want rates to go up quickly. They want it to be a slow, modest increase, and they'll do their best to manage that. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting through their questions quickly. So here are some questions from iTunes reviewers. Antoine says, could you please explain what an I-bond is, is and whether it's good to invest in it, especially if the interest rate is 7.12%? We have unpacked this, jeez, uh, I want to say two months ago. We, we did a show on this, so I believe there's a title uh, of I-bond. So I would go back and, and look at that episode in more detail. Um, but uh, understand that, those, uh, that 7.12% is not not reality and that's going to adjust okay over time it's not going to fix 7.12% and there's limits to how much you can buy the liquidity of it uh there there's a lot of complexities to it um so i urge you to go back into the library uh, of invest talk you'll see a lot of great episodes but there is an i bond specific episode i believe in the last 3 months that we we t- we unpack this in, in more detail and i'd probably refer to that um, because obviously I did more research on that sh- that than I, than I have off the top of my head right now. So uh, refer to that episode. Now, it has been a busy Thursday. I know some of you have finance and investment questions specific to your situation. So call Invest Talk now and you will get unbiased answers at 888 chart Got a question for Steve or Justin? Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here. 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck. Because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Nick from East Texas. Calling about a stock, Scorpio Tankers. Their ticker symbol is STNG. For the bullish case, I see they're a product tanker company. And so with all these refineries having closed, that supply is going to have to be replenished. And that's where this company will come in. And then since the container ships have been doing, doing really well with their earnings recently, they're filling up those yards, building new container ships. So that's not allowing new product tankers to be built. 
So I would just like your thoughts on it. Uh, see if you're seeing anything I'm missing. And uh, I would just really love to hear your thoughts. Thank you all so much. I love your show. Big fan. Bye-bye. All right, looking at Scorpion Tankers. And this was an interesting play last year, actually, where they made $2.02. And they did really well for a period of time because they had these tankers that were uh, – there was a lot of floating oil supply. Remember when oil prices went negative? Very different market than we're in today. Uh, but there was – there were these tankers. Uh, they needed to put – they had nowhere to put the oil. Uh, during the COVID shutdown, except for some of these tankers. And, and so they rented out for very high prices, and they were sitting offshore. Uh, this year, completely different. Supposed to lose $3.33. Supposed to make $1.90 next year. Um, uh, and I'm going to say I'm not a real big fan of this. Why am I not a big fan of this? Is because they're focused on petroleum and, and oil. And this is what I'm going to tell you. I think we're starting a, a a new paradigm shift in the hydrocarbon market, really focusing a lot more on natural gas as important um, fuel than than oil. Uh, you see increasing electric in, increasing use of electric cars, and that basically what that basically does is moves the energy demands from oil and gasoline to natural gas still coal some here, uh, nuclear and renewables. And so there's going to be increasing demand for all of those things, uh, increased demand of the electric grid, which mainly doesn't really involve oil or gasoline. Okay. So I, and you, we're seeing what happened in, in Europe where uh, natural gas prices are, are going up dramatically and there's going to be a lot higher demand for uh, natural gas, it burns cleaner, there's less carbon emissions, and with carbon taxes and, and, and those environmental concerns, I see that as, as a larger issue. And then you have OPEC. OPEC, it's easy for OPEC to turn on the spigot of oil, but not nearly as easy to move natural gas around the world because you need uh, natural gas exporting facilities and com- countries that can accept uh, the, the natural gas uh, ships, etc., to liquefy natural gas ships. So I, I just don't like the long-term uh, profitability of this business. Uh, they're, they're up and down. Uh, it takes kind of specific scenarios where they make money. Uh, and I, I just don't like that they're focused on oil. Now, this if this had a, sh- a fleet of LNG, liquefied natural gas ships that can move that from the U.S., for example, to Europe, to Japan, to, uh, ch- to China, uh, I think – that would be an interesting play, but not that this is focused on the oil space. I'm going to absolutely pass on STNG, which is Scorpio Tankers. And here on Invest Talk, listeners uh, can send us an email uh, with some questions, and we're going to touch on Eric's. He says, could you please review the ticker symbol JAMF? which looks to be Jamf Holdings. Okay, is this a SPAC, I'm guessing? Uh, I opened a small position in the stock based on the adoption of Macs, iPhones, and Enterprise, and would like some pro insights on their financials. Seems like they aren't making money, and the insights would be great. Uh, you're right, they haven't making money, but this year they're supposed to make, or sorry, last year they made 12 cents, supposed to make 16 cents this year, 24 cents next year. Let's see, standard in Apple enterprise management and cloud software platform for infrastructure and security. Okay. 
Hmm. I've never heard of this company. Still a very, very small name with a market cap of $5.6 billion, trading at enterprise value to revenues of 17 times. Ooh, that's a bit expensive. And when I say a bit, I mean a lot expensive. And it's growing, but it's not growing that dramatically. Revenue growth is in the mid 30% range over the past year. Once again, good, but is that worth 17 times revenue? I, I don't I don't know. I don't it doesn't feel that way. Now it's small cap growth. I like that. Software application, I like that. Their free cash flow trading 12 months, 73 million and growing. So I like that. But uh, just the valuation here just seems definitely off and uh, really too too expensive for my taste. Uh, interesting name. I like the growth. I like that it's profitable now. Uh, and I like the, the space when it comes to software as a service. It sounds like that's what they do. Yeah, sell software as a service. Uh, and, and I like that. But it, it's just too expensive in my mind. So I'm going to pass on this, but I'm going to keep it on my watch list as an interesting play in the small cap growth space. Now, the next invest talk, the story behind this headline. Zillow shares plunge after company existing home buying business implodes. Zillow shares have lost two-thirds of their value since February as the company's new home buying business turned into a money-losing albatross. Steve will walk through that the twists and turns of that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Would you recommend to put all my funds right away in the market or you recommend dollar cost average? Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E. Dot com, HackerOne.com. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? 
Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is Ben. I own about 100 shares of Riley, R I L Y. What initially attracted me to them is that they were growing pretty fast and uh, increasing their dividend pretty quickly. And now this year they've had uh, two special dividend payouts and then they raised the quarterly dividend by uh, by four. I see that they're using uh, debt pretty aggressively and it seems to be pretty constructive, but I don't know how to look at cash flow statements to determine if it's sustainable, if they're leveraging debt too excessively or anything like that. I'm looking for a sustained dividend that will be pretty steady mm-hmm. from years on. So please take a look and uh, let me know what you think about the cash flow and if the dividend makes sense long term. Thanks a bunch. All right, looking at B. Riley Financial. And this is a diversified financial service company, and they have different subsidiaries. They have investment banking uh, and financial services to corporations, institutional and high net worth uh, clients, also asset disposition, valuation and appraisal. Uh, So they're really across the board. Um, Fairly decent-sized company, a market cap of $2.1 billion, and – they have been raising their their dividend aggressively, uh, but like you said, they've also been borrowing a lot of money. Um, they have pretty high financial leverage, which is not uncommon for a financial company. But their cash flow has been not that great. Uh, operating cash flow is still negative. Uh, this is definitely not a name that I would be super confident that that dividend is going to stay consistent long-term. Um, you know, they had, they did cut their dividend in 2000 and, uh, sorry, their EBITDA went from 2009 from 33 million to negative 20 million. Um, it's been kind of all over the board. Uh, now trended higher. That's, that's good. Um, but, um, I'm a little weary of the financials here. They're, they're a little murky. Um, so if you're looking for a safe dividend play, this probably wouldn't be it. And frankly, the yield is only, what, 3.2%. Nice, but, you know, not amazing. Okay. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's touch on a conventional wisdom and the pros and cons. I get this question all the time about paying off your mortgage when by the time you retire. And it's something we tell our clients, but there's certainly there are certainly trade-offs. And what's interesting is that more and more people are going into retirement with more and more debt. 2008, sorry, 1989, 30% of older households had some sort of home debt, mortgage, home equity on credit, uh, home equity loan, et cetera. Now it's 43%. And the total amount has gone from around $19,000 to $55,000. That's inflation adjusted. Now, the conventional wisdom is, hey, you want to pay off that mortgage by the time you retire, have no housing debt, because your income 
levels are relatively static in retirement. You don't have the ability to uh, go back to work, earn a bunch of money. Uh, you're, you're, you're living off of that income. And if the economy stumbles, your investments stumble, it can be more difficult to pay that mortgage or that debt because the debt payments remain fixed. So if you have a deflationary shock, that can be a problem. Now, the question is, are there exceptions? And the answer is probably. Now, with mortgage rates around 3% for a 30-year loan, the question is always, and I get this a lot, well, I can earn more than 3% on my investment. So why take that money and put it towards a mortgage, which you're guaranteed to uh, basically earn whatever that mortgage rate is because you're not paying it, right? Or do I take that money, put it in the markets, earn something higher than 3%, dividend paying stocks, mutual funds, whatever, however you want to deploy it. Well, there's an argument to that. But there's always two sides. There's the financial side, and then there's a the psychological benefit of not having debt, being able to sleep at night. You know, if the, the market drops and, and you're reliant on those investments to pay your mortgage, to pay your expenses, you're more apt to panic and get more emotional about your investments. And so many homeowners may be better off investing that extra money as opposed to paying down the mortgage, but what are the psychological benefits of it as well? Now, certainly older, older homeowners uh, who have very short-term time horizons, they might have the appetite to deal with market volatility. And so that goes into the many variables that you have to consider. Your life expectancy, how your assets are invested, aggressive, moderate, conservative, your, and then your risk tolerance level. How much risk are you willing to take? Yes, you can go invest it, but if you're willing to only take a modest amount of risk, say, and your return might be 4 5 6%, well, is it worth it? When you're guaranteeing yourself, say, 3% to pay down that mortgage, what's your tax situation? Do you have tax write-offs for that mortgage? What's your tax rate? What's the size of that mortgage? How easy would it be to, to pay it off? Are you going to downsize at some point in retirement and unlock some of that equity anyway? So maybe you keep the loan on it, invest it. And then when you move, you're going to be wiping out that loan eventually because you're going to be downsizing. Something to think about as well. Okay. So all these are factors to consider when you're trying to weigh the pros and cons of paying off a mortgage versus taking that money and investing. Now, if you're younger, invest, you know, paying down that mortgage more maybe makes less sense because you have the time to play out. Uh, I'll, I'll play with that volatility and earn more money. But as you get closer to retirement, that trade-off gets a lot less clear. And that's why I still recommend you pay down that mortgage once you retire. But it's not as clear-cut as it used to be, especially with mortgage rates at 3%. Now let's swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a fresh question that came in earlier on 888-99 chart. Hello, I just wanted to get your opinion on Bungie Limited. The ticker symbol is BG. They are into agriculture and food development. Thank you. 
All right, this is BG Bungie Limited, and this is a name that is uh, that we're looking at along with uh, a lot of companies within the ag space. And the reason that I think ag is ripe for investment is because of high energy prices. Remember, about uh, two thirds, three quarters of the cost of artificial fertilizer is natural gas. Natural gas, and with those prices going up. Fertilizer prices are going up, means food prices are going up, and so companies in the ag space tend to do better. And you can see that with this uptrend here, uh, really since this pull, the pullback in the summer, it's pushing towards 52-week highs. Earnings this year are supposed to be $12 a share on a $92 stock, now it's supposed to fall to $9.11 next year, but analysts are already pushing those estimates higher. Yields 2.3%. Um, and our value, you know, it's not necessarily cheap uh, at, at these these rates. But if ag prices continue to go up, I think their profits are going to continue to go up. So uh, I, I'm a fan of this space. Now, we're still doing a lot of work on which is our favorite within this space. Uh, but this is definitely in contention. So overall, I like it. Now, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California. It's where we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to learn more about that, want to get a second opinion on your portfolio, your strategy, uh, how that is going to meet your goals, reach out to me via via investtalk.com, or you can call our KPP financial offices at 800-557-5461 to set up a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. We'd love to speak with you, help you in any way. Just a short conversation can, can go a long way. Now, next up, I will tackle another iTunes review question here on Invest Talk. The inflation we are now experiencing in 2021 is disturbing and eerily reminiscent of what we went through in the 1970s. So, with inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World. This important online event is hosted by InvestTalk's Justin Klein and Steve Peasley, and it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. At this InvestTalk Wealth Webinar, you'll learn about the historical precedents for inflationary periods, how various asset classes perform in rising price environments, and the best opportunities for investment when interest rates rise. The Invest Talk Wealth Webinar, Investing in an Inflationary World, is free, but you've got to register. Go to investtalk.com, scroll down to the November 18th free webinar button, and click to register. Now let's squeeze in another iTunes review question here. Stefan in Greensboro, North Carolina says, I bought SLB in my IRA about a year ago for around $20 a share and is only about 2% of my portfolio. It's done very well in the past year and I was curious if you would recommend taking some profits here and what price would you take some profits? Well, SLB Schlumberger, one of the largest oil field companies in the world. This is actually a name we own for clients and so I would say no, 
I would continue to own Schlumberger. Our value is closer to $55 per share. Now it closed today at, where were we? 33, spot 15. So uh, we're still fans of it. Uh, good free cash flow, great business. So it's to earn the most next year that it has since 2015. And if oil prices continue to go up, hey, uh, this is, is certainly going to benefit. And there's a lot, there's a lot of turnaround uh, potential. I think even more than what you've seen so far. So they're one of the better uh, oil uh, service companies. Remember that they don't own the actual wells. They help drill uh, new wells, uh, maintain existing wells, etc. And if oil prices continue to go up, well, the demand for their services will continue to go up, and the more the, the less picky the oil companies will be at pushing their prices down because the oil companies will be making uh, so much money. So their prospects tend to correlate strongly with the prospects of the EMP companies. So uh, I'm a fan of Slumberger and I would not be cutting it back here until you get at least the $50 per share. Now my phone lines are open. And in fact, they never close. So please do not be shy about calling in with your question. 888-99-CHART. Now I will play a question that came in earlier. Hey, Steve, Justin, this is Jeff from Florida. I'm calling about Discovery, D-I-S-C-A. It's coming into some support for the last five years, I guess, around $20. My question is, what do you think about that as a buying opportunity, or would you hold off until the whole uh, spinoff merger happens with Time Warner? I uh, look forward to your answer on the podcast. The answer is I would hold off until the merge. You know, this is the DSCA Discovery uh, Incorporated, and they are merging with AT&T's Time Warner. They're kind of a uh, AT&T spinning off Time Warner, merging with Discovery, uh, combining their content onto a, a, a unified platform, uh, and trying to grow their their viewership, compete with the Netflixes of the world, with HBO Max and their other platforms. And uh, this has been kind of part of the, the Archegos uh, blow up back in, in March. And it, you're right. Technically, it is into some support, but you're coming up on the spinoff. Um, and I would be waiting until then. All right. But great, great question. Now, let's touch a bit on the advertising market, the advertising market. And this is something I think has been uh, is not being talked about nearly enough is that many companies are now struggling to get products to consumers. We know that with supply chain shortages and problems. And some of these companies are questioning whether it makes sense to spend a lot on advertising. If you don't have products to sell to people, why advertise to drive more demand? You don't have the supply to fulfill it. In fact, Hershey's uh, and Kimberly Clark, Church and Dwight, they all, large companies in recent days, cut back ad and marketing spending in the third quarter because of these issues. Hershey's CEO says, quote, the supply chain challenges just wouldn't enable us to be able to meet further demand that we would create through our very impactful advertising, end quote. And Church and Dwight, the maker of Arm & Hammer, OxyClean brands, they said on Friday that it pulled back on third quarter marketing for products most affected by its shortages. And you see that with earnings from the likes of Facebook and Snap. They said that 
They expect a slowdown in revenue growth in the fourth quarter. Both are also affected by Apple's new privacy rules and ability to deliver ads through their platform. And some digital publishers are planning for ad spending to shrink at least 5% in the fourth quarter compared to what they're expecting previously. Now, digital ads typically get cut the most first. And that's really because most of those ads are bought very close to when they actually are served up, uh, whereas TV ads are, are typically bought well in advance. Uh, even some food companies, uh, fast food chains, are cutting back because of labor shortages. Why push more demand on their stores that are understaffed? And, and that's really uh, the issue here. So we're heading into our last break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go to Bob in Ohio looking at AMC. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. I'm looking to buy it. Okay. And, and why? You just uh, want to g- jump on um, the, the meme stock uh, trend and, and try to ride that next uh, short squeeze? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Um, so I'm a not necessarily a chart reader, but I was looking at the chart and I see a really big uh, bull flag I'm looking out. Um, and it's looking like it's about to finish that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking, they have about a 17% uh, short interest um, from what I see here. Um, so I'm thinking there's maybe a possibility of, of it going, you know, even higher. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely technically it is a bull flag. Uh, it looks fine technically. Uh, it's been marching sideways since uh, really June uh, with a, a few little spikes and, and does look relatively bullish. So as a trade, sure. As a long-term investment, definitely not. Now, when does the uh, – when does the – the, the Reddit craze wane. Um, I think when liquidity kind of ebbs sometime uh, middle of next year, and I think that's where there's probably bigger risk to this. But in, in the, the next few months, I think you're okay, and you could ride a, 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 another short squeeze like you saw in, in Avis, like you're seeing in, in Tesla, and that gamma squeeze, crazy gamma squeeze that's going on right now. So mm-hmm. um, as a complete trade, uh, it does look uh, promising in the short term, but make sure you get a big spike that you sell into that spike. Don't get greedy. Thanks we'll for the call. Thank you. No problem. Let's go to uh, a voicemail and uh, let's check on this right now. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Mike from Hayward. I listen every day. Thank you very much. My question is about PG&E, uh, California Utility, Pacific Gas and Electric Stock Ticker PCG. I bought it back in October of 2019 when it hit a dip, and it's gone up more than doubled since then. And I was thinking about holding it long term, just wanted your opinion on if I should hold it, keep collecting the dividends if that ever comes back, or just sell it and keep my gains. Curious uh, what you have to say. Thanks. Look forward to listening to it. Take care. Bye. Well, here's my problem. Uh, Remember, PG&E had the big issue with wildfire liabilities and they operate here in central and northern California. 
and where there's a lot of wildfires, there continues to be a, a lot of wildfires. Uh, now, you can argue what that is. Is it global warming? Is it a lack of forestry management? What is it exactly? Is it, is it their down power lines that's, that's causing it? There, there's a lot of factors. But the main factor that's affecting them is that they have extremely high potential liabilities for these wildfires and potentially causing these wildfires. And that's what put this company on its heels all the way from uh, price of, let's see, back in 2017 of $70 a share, went all the way down to $3 per share uh, in late 2019. And now we're at $11.66. So while there is some more upside potential, I think, probably to the high teens from here, um, I don't love this longer term because of those liabilities. Uh, there have they haven't changed those the, the rules, the laws in the legislator legislature. So it just makes it very difficult for me to get excited when just another wildfire could come in and expose them to another multi billion dollar liability exposure that may or may not have been their fault, but the laws of the state are such where they may have to pay. Uh, a, a big sum. And so if you're looking in the utility space, there's just so many other great ones across the country that don't have, don't operate in a hostile environment to uh, the utility companies uh, like we have here in, in California. And so uh, I'm definitely going to pass on PG&E. Once again, near term, there is some potential for upside. Uh, we're kind of past the, the fire season. I would say here in California, which is, is is good. So I don't think there's wildfire risk in the, the short, short term. Uh, but you start getting to the high teens, that's when I would probably look to trim your position. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now over 36 million, which they can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes and your positive rating helps raise our profile and spread the word. And if you leave your brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is good. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.